And we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, and the passage we're going to focus on today is verses 15 through 21, but I want to start at verse 6 to give a little bit of the context of what Paul is writing about so that when we get to 15 through 21, you have a, you have a better grasp. And so Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he has this particular understanding of our reality, the reality that with the death of Jesus, with the resurrection of Jesus, started the new age, the age that all the Hebrew people had been looking forward to and, and praying for for hundreds and thousands of years, that it, it happened in Jesus. And so what has happened is the beginning of the conversion, the renewal of the entire earth, because God's purpose is to renew this earth. But it isn't complete. So we're in this in-between. So Paul describes it like the day when the light comes up in the morning, but the sun has yet to dawn. We're kind of in the transition. So he uses this term of light and dark. And he says in verse 6, nobody should deceive you with stupid ideas. God's anger comes down on those who are disobedient because of this kind of thing. So you shouldn't have anything to do with them. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live your life as children of the light. Light produces fruit that consists of every sort of goodness, justice, and truth. Therefore, test everything to see what's pleasing to the Lord. And don't participate in the unfruitful actions of darkness. Instead, you should reveal the truth about them. It's embarrassing to even talk about what certain persons do in secret. But everything exposed to the light is revealed by the light. Everything that is revealed by the light is light. And therefore, it says, Wake up, sleeper. Get up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And so begins verse 15 from our passage today. So be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to each other out of respect for Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me and please pray for me. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have to come and to, to remember that we are of the light to remember how our life is only complete in you and you've given us the words of our scriptures and through them we can encounter the word, the very presence of Christ, the Holy Spirit within our hearts to bring us further into relationship with you, to take us further down the journey of faith. Lord, I ask that you use all that's been prepared to further your will and to touch hearts. May all that I say be yours in spite of me, and may all that we hear be yours in spite of ourselves. Lord, bless us, bless us, and may all that we say and hear, and all that it goes to do in our lives, may it all be pleasing and acceptable to you. You alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. So we are in week two of a series called With Grateful Hearts. So we spent October with stewardship and talking about 
being engaged in, in simplicity and generosity, engaging God's joy. And so this month, as we head toward Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about gratitude because gratitude is such a foundational part of our calling to be uh, full of that kind of joy through simplicity and generosity. So last week, we talked about that we were made for gratitude. That's, how, that's what we're made to, to be, is grateful. And so we looked at Paul's work and how he invited the church to step outside of themselves a bit and to see the grander story of God at work since the beginning, that God has been working through time and through people and has been bringing about the kind of change that brings the light of the new day amidst the darkness. And we look forward to the hope that is assured. And when we step out of the part of our lives that often distracts us and consumes us and see the bigger picture, it helps us have a better gauge at where we want to go and where we are. And so week two today, we're going to talk about giving thanks in every situation. Now, our passage from Ephesians features some instructions for the church in Ephesus. This church uh, is being written to by an imprisoned Paul who was awaiting execution. And he writes this letter about giving thanks in every situation. So it kind of rings in our ears. Interesting. Interesting that he's writing of this in his situation and writing to us to join him in this kind of gratitude. He writes to the church that consists of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians, non-Jewish Christians. And if you can believe it, they don't get along all the time. They don't agree on everything. Isn't that weird? We can laugh about it. We're still living the situation today, are we not? It's not Jewish and Gentile, it's other things, but we are in the midst of that. And so Paul is writing this letter to them and to us. They've become distracted, Paul says. Paul speaks of the reality between this time of the ending of the night and the beginning of the day. And who got up before 7 a.m. this morning? Anybody? A few of you. So you saw the light creeping up, maybe if you looked outside, look to the east. The light was shining up from behind the horizon. Would you say that the day was beginning or that the night was ending in that moment? Paul would say, yep, yeah, day was beginning and night was ending. Yep, both at the same time. It's in this, I know, I'm, I'm mean, aren't I? It's in this kind of dual reality, this, this awakening to the new day, but not yet fully in it. And Paul is talking about them being aware and remembering that they exist in the reality of both. Now, Jesus calls this the new age, not the new day. The new age is coming and the old age is passing away but it is still here. Paul describes how the days are evil. Sign of the old age still present. Would you agree that the days are evil? Do I need to go into a lot of detail about that? No, I think we're all pretty aware of that. Um, but we're to be aware of that always. Are you always aware of the true reality? Anyone here have a bad habit? Some honest people. The rest of you are liars. You can raise that, right? Bad habits are evidence of the old age. We're fighting against ourselves. I saw a, uh, sorry, this thing, my ears stick out, so they doesn't want to grab it on too much. Uh, I saw a meme on Facebook that said, whatever you're not changing, you're choosing. And that's really hit me and convicted me. What kind of habits are you not changing? If you're not changing them, you're choosing them. So, Maybe you're not aware of your bad habits. Do you know of anybody else who has a bad habit that maybe they're not aware of? Right? Yeah. 
So maybe you have a habit that you're not aware of too. Probably. So Paul lifts up a habit. He doesn't lift this habit of drunkenness up because he wants to focus on this particular thing. Paul has no problem with wine because the Christians gather around a table and drink wine and have bread to celebrate Christ's body and blood regularly. That's not the issue. The issue isn't even drunkenness itself as if it's some sort of chief sin, okay? Drunkenness, as he talks about it again and again in multiple letters, he talks about indulgence, losing control, having no ability to stop. And then what, the, what comes of drunkenness is we, we numb ourselves to reality, and so we can't be aware of the bigger truths because we're not able to be aware. And he's contrasting this being filled with wine with to being filled with the Spirit. So he's using this on multiple levels. He's saying we should be filled with the Spirit if we're, if we're needing to celebrate, if we're needing to engage and indulge in anything. Let's indulge in the Spirit. He's pleading to the church to not be unwise and he's pleading to the church to be wise. Two different things. That's two instructions. Stop being foolish. Start being wise. He's talking to a group of people that have a lot to say and think and, and feel about wisdom. It's just part of their time, but it's really no different here. Whose wisdom do you seek? Who do you look to for the answers? He began the, the passage, this instructions, by first saying... Before saying, don't be foolish, be wise, he said, be careful. Be careful not to be foolish, but be wise. Careful. Pay attention is another way to say it. Keep your eyes open. Stay focused. Be intentional. Like a person with bad habits that we're trying to break, we have to be intentional and stay focused on the habit. Otherwise, we start doing it again because it's a habit. Like the church in Ephesus, we as a body of believers, as a group, we can slip into distraction and bad habits because we're human beings and we're not perfect and we live in the age between. We can lose our sense of direction in Jesus Christ. We can just start doing church routine, dare I say even worship service, as just part of what we do without actually engaging it and pouring ourselves into it. We just do it because that's what you're supposed to do. And we just join groups and we do fun things because it's comfortable. But when it comes to what God may be asking us to do in the community, we hesitate. For many of us, we go beyond these walls after this time, and we find ourselves filled with many things that are not of the love of God displayed through Jesus Christ. Amen? Anybody with me? We leave this place after having sung of unity, and we pray for the building up of the body. We read the scripture, and then we go out and we find ourselves taking in information and participating in things that have nothing to do with unity and love, but actually do the opposites. Finger pointing and judgment. It's really entertaining to see how many things I see about one generation bashing the other one, as if they even understand each other in the first place, right? And we sometimes participate in that. Our culture of night gives us another way. We get so drunk on fear that we become unable to love. How many commercials and advertisements do you see that they're trying to sell you something based on some sort of fear they want you to have so that you'll buy what they're offering, right? And they keep increasing the fear, right? We've got to be afraid of everybody, so we buy these new products. And then sometimes we get so drunk on being right that we destroy any chance of having a relationship with the other. We come here on Sunday mornings and we celebrate that the image of God is in everyone. 
Maybe way down deep, but it's in everyone. But then we go out there and we find ourselves speaking of people as if they're just wild animals, that there's no humanity within them worth honoring or praying for or nurturing or seeking. We come here and celebrate the universal Holy Spirit available to all, and then we go out there and we find ourselves judging the validity of other human beings have the right to vote or to get health care or to have food. We live in between the ages, and we as a church can even become distracted like the church in Ephesus. We forget. Yeah, the days are evil, but we forget that the light has dawned, and we're a part of that. So, how do we keep our eyes fixed upon the ministry and mission of Jesus Christ that he gave us in Matthew 28? He said, go make disciples, right? Another part of Matthew 25, he says, take care of the least of these. In every one of the Gospels, he says, love God with all of your being, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So how do we do this in the midst of our culture, which asks us to stop doing that? Well, Paul gives us answers. You excited? You ready? All right, he says, pray. Not pray as in, Pastor Joe will pray, and I'll just bow my head and then be like, man, Pastor Joe, you're going on and on and on. Not pray as in, God, give me everything I want. Not pray as in, God, make all this stuff happen to them that I want to happen to them because I'm so sick of dealing with them. But actual prayer where we try to align ourselves with God. To sing songs of our faith, right? That's things that we come here regularly to do that Paul says is a good thing, to sing the song of our faith because we sing the words and we may sing the words and not really focus on them, but if we start focusing on them, we start realizing the message they communicate helps us grasp the truth of God in ways that no amount of Pastor Joe's rambling ever could. That's a good thing. We come here to read, hear, and receive the word. Paul says this is a good thing. We come here to offer ourselves. Paul says this is a good thing. We come to tithe. We come to be reminded of our place as a part of the body of believers. Paul says this is a good thing. Paul says we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be thankful. So I want to focus on gratitude here. Our focus needs to be on gratitude. We can find ourselves able to maintain a holy focus when we first just start with remembering all we've been given. And we can't compare what I've been given to what you've been given because that'll take us down the wrong path. Amen? We don't covet. Amen? We think like Paul did, sitting in prison, waiting to be executed. And we hear his words, be thankful for everything at all times. Now, I know this seems like a really churchy response, right? Just be thankful. We say this to each other as if to say, just be thankful and quit complaining. Right? We turn it around. The point is not for us to say it to each other, but for us to be grounded in it ourselves, to remind ourselves of all that God has given us. Are you alive? Raise your hand if you're alive. What a gift. Maybe you're feeling pain right now. You're alive to feel it. Maybe that's all you have. Are you thankful? If we can develop a good habit in place of our bad ones, that's the best way to break a bad habit. Develop a good one. Keep ourselves focused upon all that God has given us to develop a habit of gratitude. And even in our efforts of faith, look, I'll be the first, I'll be the first to admit, going to church can be overwhelming. Entering into this Christian faith can be overwhelming because suddenly you find yourself thinking, there's about a thousand rules I'm supposed to follow about a thousand things I'm supposed to do and about a thousand things I'm not supposed to do. 
and then I got to try to read scripture and pray, and then I got to try to be forgiving of myself when I mess up and compassionate with myself when I mess up. And that's sometimes harder than having compassion and forgiving others when they mess up. And we're trying to do this all at once, and we wonder what, what does it look like? What am I supposed to be doing? And before long, we're, we're so weighed down with rules that we find the faith to be a burden. Am I alone? This life of faith can, can feel overwhelming because we sometimes make it about legalism, rule following, which makes us want to rebel against it because we have a bad habit of the old age. What Paul is urging us to do instead is be careful, intentional, break the bad habits, stop being foolish, start being wise, develop good habits. Seek to live in the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit, who is here to help you. You're not meant to walk this faith alone. We are here as a group because that's how it's meant to be. We are here with the Holy Spirit because we are meant to engage with a partner, with a helper, with an advocate. Seek every opportunity, Paul says, to pursue wisdom and retreat from foolishness. Maybe every now and again we just stop in the middle of the day and say, is this foolishness or is this God's wisdom? And be ready to run if it's foolishness and be ready to dive in if it's God. Instead of filling ourselves with the things that simply feed our evil thoughts, we should seek to be filled by the things of the Spirit. And Paul spells them out in our passage today. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. When's the last time you spoke to someone in a psalm, a hymn, or a spiritual song? Two, sing and make music in your hearts. Now, I'm about a lot of us do this. Always give thanks to the God, our Father, for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. Always give thanks for everything. Submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. Now, we practice this Sunday mornings, and it's kind of fun, is it not? We sing to each other. We sing with each other. We hear and feel the music within. We share it outside. We give thanks to God. We pray. We offer praise and we submit to each other. We pass peace and remind each other. We practice it for an hour every week, and it's kind of fun. But then we leave. We need to find a way to practice this way of life Monday through Saturday. Now, a couple recommendations. If you're serious, if you're interested, find a small group. And if you can't find one, make one. Find people you know that are interested in pursuing wisdom and avoiding foolishness, and say, hey, you want to meet? Right? We can have some coffee and cake or whatever. Join a Bible study Tuesdays in the morning or evening. We have them here, 9.30 a.m. or 6.30 a.m., the same room downstairs right about underneath here. Always give thanks here. We make a regular appointment with a Christian friend. You have a Christian friend or just anybody who's interested in pursuing true wisdom? Call them up and say, hey, let's have lunch every Wednesday and just share I'm giving you permission to go out and make regular appointments. This is a good thing. Grab a partner. If you can't do any of that stuff, pray throughout the day. Anytime you feel yourself wondering, am I engaging in foolishness? Am I, am I being overwhelmed? Am I, am I getting into my bad habits? Just stop what you're doing and pray and thank God for something. Just find anything to be thankful for and begin the habit of gratitude and prayer and watch it change and shape your life. And even when you're struggling to find anything to be grateful for, offer a prayer of gratitude for being alive 
or just simply say, I don't know what I'm thankful for, but I just want to tell you I'm thankful, and I'll figure it out. And then come here every week. Let this be a time of sustenance for you. If you have trouble breathing out there, come here and let, let this be a space where you can sigh deep breaths. We can confess together to admit we mess up. We can sing together, offer the peace. The time on Sunday, whole purpose, why we ever started doing this in the first place was to model what life is supposed to be all the time. The Holy Spirit leads us into a life of worship and gratitude if we seek to be filled by the Spirit rather than anything else. So my friends, let's live a life of gratitude and worship in all situations. Let us make our life of faith the only life we have and let us live together, building each other up, encouraging each other, and giving thanks to God all the while. Are you with me? Has anybody got this perfected? Because you've got to teach the rest of us. No, I didn't think so. We don't perfect it on this side. And I think that's the point. So don't be overwhelmed if you can. And join with me in prayer. Lord, I thank you for giving us the body of Christ. Upon the cross, yes. Out of the tomb, yes. But in the seats before me, yes. That we can join in and become something bigger than ourselves even in all of our messes and habits, that we can come and be loved, made worthy, redeemed, that when we turn our hearts back to you and say, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. That you welcome us into a group of people who are all on the path together. Help us to make worship and gratitude a way of life, Lord. Help us to reshape our thinking and reshape our hearts that we can experience your peace and your kingdom right here among us, here and now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.